The Cincinnati Bearcats are ranked number 23 in the preseason AP Top 25. What it means as the season opener is just over two weeks away and what it means for any playoff chances the Cincinnati Bearcats have this season. Our Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day, free and available everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to the Lockdown Bearcats YouTube channel. Up to 413 subscribers and back with you today. Your host each and every day here on the Lockdown Bearcats podcast, former sports director of UC's student-run media organization, Bearcats Media, bringing all of those experiences here to the Lockdown Bearcats podcast. Thank you again to Russ Heltman, my colleague from All Bearcats, for filling in for me yesterday. Um, hope you enjoyed listening to him. Gave an excellent uh, recap of the scrimmage that took place on Saturday at Nippert Stadium. I'm going to touch on something he said yesterday in segment three today. But first and foremost, this segment's going to be about the AP Top 25, Cincinnati being ranked number 23. In the next segment, we'll touch on, and I have yet to do this and regretfully have not done this, but we're going to look at the Bearcats who have been named to award watch lists as the season is just around the corner. And then in segment three, I'm going to touch on something Russ mentioned with the quarterback battle yesterday. So let's start from the top, the Bearcats number 23 in the AP poll. This is about what I expected. Maybe you did too. I thought it was going to be 23. Now, maybe it's because I'm 23 years old. Maybe it's because 23 is one of my favorite numbers. Maybe because 23 is a goat number. I don't know. But the Bearcats are number 23. This is, again, about what I expected. Maybe you did too. Considering what you lost, the Bearcats losing nine starters to the NFL last year, considering you are still in the group of five. Now, I have said that I don't think being in the group of five this year should matter because you're going to the Big 12 next year and you went to the college football playoff last year. But the reality of the sport of college football is until you are a Power 5 school, you will not get the benefit of the doubt. What's going to be very interesting is where Cincinnati is ranked next year, if they are, which I think they will be, in the preseason top 25 as a Big 12 team. Let's say Cincinnati goes 13-1 and this year again. Let's say they go 12-2. and Let's say they go, heck, 14-0, and 15-0. Where do they get ranked in the top 25 next year? I think it's going to be higher than this year. But still, number 23, coming off of an offseason that has featured a lot of turnover, a lot of questions, a lot of turnover on the coaching staff at, at some key positions, most notably offensive coordinator, I would say number 23 is a pretty good ranking. For one, it's the highest-ranked group of five team. That's who the Bearcats are. They're the highest-ranked group of five team. They bring up the rear of the top 25. you got Houston at number 24, no problem with that. BYU at number 25, no problem with that. So that right there is three teams who are going into the Big 12 next season. I like the fact that the, all three teams are in the top 25. And UCF, they're not ranked, but again, they are a solid program. I think they've got eight wins in them this season. So now, you want Cincinnati to beat all those teams. But you also want them to be ranked and say, hey, the Big 12 is getting four really good teams three of whom are ranked. Now, they're ranked, you know, at the bottom of the top 25, but still, you're ranked in the top 25. If you're Houston, 
and you think about who you lost, but you also have returning this season. Yes, they lost their star running back, their starting running back in the uh, in the spring, Alton McCaskill the fourth. Not sure if he's going to play this season. But when you return a fourth-year quarterback and a second-year wide receiver who is pretty dang explosive in Nathaniel Dell, they're very good. BYU, I mean, they're BYU. Like, they've had some good seasons recently. They will always get national respect. So I have no problem with them being in the top 25. This is good for the Big 12. You look at the teams who are ranked in the top 25, and I'll go back to, um, I'm going to talk about Arkansas's ranking, um, the elephant in the room, which is how does this impact Cincinnati's chances to return to the college football playoff and why I'm happy UC is ranked. I kind of had a little doubt if they would, but at the same time, you're coming off the season that they're coming off of. I felt like they would be. So here you go. AP top 25, big 12 teams. You've got Baylor, you got Oklahoma. They're leaving, but still for now, Oklahoma nine, Baylor 10, Oklahoma state 12. So there's three in the top 12. Okay. Those are the only three teams who are ranked, but Cincinnati, Houston, and BYU. So technically five teams ranked. That's pretty good. Other teams receiving votes in the big 12, Texas finished 27th. If you go, because they had the second most of the others receiving votes. Going on down the line, you got UCF received 27 votes. Kansas State received, excuse me, 14. So there are three other Big 12 teams. The three? Yeah, three other current or future Big 12 teams receiving votes. That's strong. Like, that's really strong. And the fact that the coaches have Cincinnati ranked higher at 22 is good, and the AP writers are still respecting Cincinnati. Now, this is 15 spots lower than their AP ranking last year in the preseason. I've got no problem with that. I don't have a problem with that. Because, yes, they did lose a lot of talent. And that, by nature, is going to create questions. Well, can this team be just as good as last year? Well, they've got Arkansas right off the jump in week one. Well, they have a tough schedule in the American with that two-game gauntlet road trip in October at SMU and at UCF. So, again, when you lose a lot of talent, when you're a group of five program, can you do what you did again last year? Heck, can you do what you've been doing really for the last four years? Questions are going to come. That's just part of the game. Now, Arkansas at 19. Fine. You want to put Arkansas ahead of UC by four spots? Go right ahead. What's better, though, and what's better, I think, than a ranked opening week matchup? I mean, right out of the gate, you are facing a ranked opponent on the road. I can't remember the last time... Cincinnati had that. It's 2009. I don't, this is, I think it was 2009 when they went to play Rutgers and they blew them out. But this is the first time in 13 years, I believe 13 years, that the Cincinnati Bearcats are opening up at a, or opening against a ranked opponent. Think about that for a minute. This doesn't happen all that often. We can look at the schedule from 2009. Let me see if they were – I believe Rutgers was ranked to start the 2009 season. So this would be the first time since then coming up against a ranked opponent. Would look great on your resume if you can go into Fayetteville and win. I mean, even if you play a close game, 
and you went out the rest of the way. Uh, Rutgers was not ranked. Hmm. Maybe it's 2010. I'm going to find this out because it was not 2010. What year would it have been? Now I'm really curious because I know it wasn't UCLA. It was 2008. No. I don't know. But it's the first time that I can remember in a long time, if anything, that Cincinnati is opening against a ranked opponent on the road in the SEC, for crying out loud. It was not 2012. Maybe it was 2013. I, I would have to ask someone in the uh, sports information department like Zach Stipe or David or Dan Horde. They would know. Mo Egger would know. Jim Kelly Jr. So anyway, the, the point is this. You're opening against a ranked opponent. And there's nothing better than that. You know, there are a lot of ranked matchups the first weekend of college football. Oregon, Georgia, which will be in the same viewing window as Cincinnati and Arkansas. Notre Dame, Ohio State, which a top five matchup is great and all that. I think Ohio State's going to blow Notre Dame's doors off. But you're playing a ranked team on the road, on national television, a great chance to show the college football world that what you did last year was not a fluke and that this year's team is not a major drop-off from last year's team. Now, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Is this a ranking that isn't too low to get Cincinnati back in the college football playoff? 23. Michigan was not ranked to start last season, if you'll recall. They worked their way up. So it is possible. Michigan's in the Big Ten, which is arguably the second-best conference in college football. Not arguably, is. So, but the point is this. Michigan picked up some big wins against Ohio State. They blew out Iowa in the Big Ten Championship. They beat Washington in non-conference play. They had a resume that they could, took it, they, could, they, could, they could take a hit against Michigan State and still find a way to get into the college football playoff. They weren't good in 2020. They were two and four. Like, they were downright awful. You didn't know who was going to start a quarterback. You didn't know Jim Harbaugh's job security. And ultimately, they found a way to win the game. Against Ohio State, the game, they found a way to win 11 games in the regular season, another game in the the, uh, Big Ten Championship. So it is very possible to get from 23, where the Bearcats are, to the college football playoff. If they beat Arkansas, it helps. They got to beat them. That's the only way they get in at the start of the season. But it is a steep climb. For a group of five program, it is a very steep climb. Can all those teams in front of them, in front of Cincinnati, have enough chaos happen this year like it did last year for the Bearcats to rise up to number four? Because if they get in the playoff, they're going to be number four, especially this year. Last year, there was this school of thought. Maybe they could be at three, two, um, one. But the realistic possibility last year, as it is again this year, is number four. Now, I think Cincinnati can go from 23 to four. I really do. But realistically, I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen. That is the elephant in the room. If you're asking yourself, well, if Cincinnati's 23 now, can they get back to the college football playoff this year? First things first, they got to beat Arkansas. Then they got to run the table. 
Then they got to make. Then they got to hope they get a quality opponent like Houston in the AAC championship. Then they got to beat them by double digits. Then they got to hope a lot of chaos happens above them. And they got to hope that the college football playoff committee values them like they did last year. Because like I've said in this offseason, there is not a star player on this team. There is not that player that's going to draw attention and that is going to boost ESPN's viewing for the playoff. There isn't that player this year yet. Could there be? Yes. But there better be one by November 1st when the first playoff rankings are revealed. If you're asking me if I think Cincinnati can go from 23 to 4, I'm going to be honest and say no. I'd be shocked if they made it that far. Again, I'm happy Cincinnati's ranked because they are getting respect. Despite losing nine players to the NFL draft, despite being in the group of five con- in a group of five conference, still, but still being in the American Athletic Conference, um, that also, the fact that the AAC is getting two teams into the top twenty-five, the only two group of five programs to be ranked, BYU still independent, the fact that they are. The American has two teams in the top 25. It's astronomical and impressive. Coming up, we'll talk about some players and coaches on award watch lists heading into this season. There are a lot of them. But first, you know, I like to have fun um, with live reads, but when you're talking about something as serious as making sure that you are driving sober or else get pulled over, you got to be a little serious with this. So you're hanging out with some friends and you're putting back a few drinks. A few becomes too many as the evening comes to an end and people start to head out. You think of calling for a ride, but then you think about how you live nearby and that you can make it home okay. It's no big deal. However, it is. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway, you might ask yourself. And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. When you think about that thought, everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic. They're often deadly. However, that doesn't have, That still does not stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Please play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It doesn't take that much effort. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's, forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. So there are a lot of coaches and players, players and coaches, I should say, on award watch lists heading into this season for the Cincinnati Bearcats. Luke Fickle is on the Dodd Trophy watch list. He was the recipient of that award last year. He won eight National Coach of the Year awards last year, seven in addition to the Dodd. He's one of 20 named this year. I've said this offseason. I think this offseason, we are going, I've said this offseason, we are going to have to see Luke Fickle do his best coaching job this season. Why? Because the talent that has been on this team for the previous four years is not here this year. This team is talented. This team has a lot of depth. But in terms of the Alpha Dogs that were here last year, they're not here. And in terms of the talent overall, it's not as great as it was last year. So can Luke Fickle maximize what is on this team 
and get the most out of it. There's a reason he's on this award watch list because the media knows, the national media knows he's a great recruiter. He has been a masterful developer of players and he's built a program from the ashes to the college football playoff. It truly is remarkable when you think about it. But at the end of the day, this season is going to have to be his best coaching job if Cincinnati is going to win a third straight conference championship. I'm saying that. If they're going to win a third straight conference championship, this has to be his best coaching job, or else um, they might get to play for a championship. But to win a conference championship, you got to be alpha, you got to have an alpha dog mentality. Memphis had it in 2019. Cincinnati had it the previous two years. If Luke Fickle does his best coaching job this season, Cincinnati will be in a position to win a third straight conference championship. Let's go to the players. Starting with Nick Mardner on the Fred Bolitnikoff Award watch list for the best wide receiver in the country. I didn't know these two things. Nick Mardner is the tallest receiver or tight end on this roster at six foot six. He averages 20.7 yards per, per catch. That's his average for his career 20.7. That's more than two first downs per catch. That's incredible. He's going to bring another dimension to this offense. When we talk about replacing Alec Pierce, Nick Mardner might be just that guy. The tight end tandem, Josh Wiley and Leonard Taylor. You want to know how they're arguably one of the best tight end tandems in the country? Both of them named the John Mackey Award watch list for best tight end in the country. Cincinnati, one of only five schools in the country to have multiple representatives on this list. The other four, Georgia, Michigan, Penn State, South Carolina. Boom. Two SEC schools, two Big Ten schools, the other school, Cincinnati. Leonard Taylor, you want to talk about Mr. Consistency? He has a team-best 24 straight games with a catch. So you think 14 games last year, 10 games in 2020. So over the last two seasons, Leonard Taylor has made at least one catch in every game. That's consistency. Let's go to the defense. Deshaun and Ivan Pace, who we know could be the strength of this defense. Both of them named to the Buckus Award watch list for best linebacker in the country. Both are also named to the Bronco Nagurski Award watch list for best overall defensive player. Deshaun, in addition, he was named to the Chuck Bednarik Award watch list for nation's best defensive player. Darian Beavers was a semifinalist last year for the Buckus Award. So here we go again. A strength of this team. We don't really talk about this position. But linebacker is such a great position on this team. It truly is a position of of strength. You have talent all over. Luke Fickle talked about it. That they have four starters at linebacker. They may not be on the field at the same time, but they have four linebackers who could be starters. The Pace brothers, Jaheim Thomas, and Wilson Huber. Plus you have Ty Van Fossen, so really five. And maybe a a linebacker we're not talking about like David Jones Jr. breaks out this year. So you have five linebackers who are all potential starters. Experienced, highly recruited. They've got oozing potential. This is a position that could be a fierce strength of this team. Back to the offense. In the trenches, Dylan O'Quinn, Jake Renfro, who we know first-team All-AAC per Athlon Sports, 
two of 20 Bearcats named to the uh, All-Athlon's first team. Outland Trophy led, uh, or Outland Trophy award, watch list for both of them. Cincinnati's offense last year, here's how good they were. We know they scored 70 touchdowns. We know they scored 516 points. They also only allowed 53 tackles for loss, seventh best in the country, ninth most yards per play for any team in the country. That's how good this offense was. Then special teams, Ryan Coe, Lou Groza award watch list, 26 of 34 field goals, 43 extra point attempts in two seasons with Delaware. On Friday's show, I'm going to talk about why special teams could be the position that decides this season for Cincinnati. It's a position we're not talking about a lot, but it should be. I'll talk about why on Friday. Ryan Montgomery, really excited to watch to, to watch him this season. The Paul Hornung watch list, most versatile player. He's a running back, punt returner, first team punt returner, uh, Athlon Sports. Ryan Montgomery last year, 10th most, or 10th highest average for uh, punt return yards in the season, 11 and a half. Second in the AAC. Right now, he's fourth in Bearcat history. In career punt returns and yards, he averages 9.6 per return. Really excited to see his versatility this season. If he doesn't have an expanded role at running back, you know, he's going to be your featured punt returner. So if he doesn't have an expanded role at running back or a prominent role, that's fine. Because we know, we know that he excels at punt returning. Lorenz Metz. Named to the Rotary Lombardi watch list. Now, what's this award, you might ask? Well, it's given to the best offensive or defensive lineman who, in addition to his play on the field, best exemplifies the character and discipline of Vince Lombardi. When you say the name Vince Lombardi, that's football royalty right there. And Lorenz Metz is a guy who I know we love to, um, you know, sometimes criticize too much, sometimes ridicule him, sometimes, you know, get on him for not being you know, strong and pass protection. But here's a guy who has progressed throughout his career. He's been with the program now for three years. He's very smart, good man on and off the field. It's it's hard to river him sometimes because of his lack of success on the field or his lack of domination. But maybe just once this year, you just maybe back off him a little bit. Like the Bearcats already accomplished what you wanted them to accomplish last year by making the college football playoff. Whatever happens this season is icing on the cake. Lump Lorenz Metz in what you've thought about him or what you've said about him over the years. Wilson Huber, named to the Warfeld Trophy watch list and All-State's AFCA Good Works preseason team. Now, these two awards are not, are not um, what you do on the field. The Warfeld um, is, given to the, is given to the college football player for premier award. It's the premier award for community service. All-State's AFCA Good Works uh, preseason team. That award uh, is given to a player who has exemplary community service, academic dedication, and impact on and off the field. Here's a sixth-year player who has been somewhat buried on the depth chart throughout his career. Last year played on special teams and a reserve linebacker. Had some big moments, though. Wilson Huber, I can't wait to see him this year emerge as a leader. He's got that leader mentality in him. Now, what that looks like this year and how far it goes and where it takes Cincinnati remains to be seen. But I can't wait to see what he does this year, maybe in a more prominent role. So you know what you have in him. Can he, you know, evolve on the field? That remains to be seen. And then 
Um, the freaks list. Bruce Feldman's freak list. Tyler Scott checking in at number 54. Trey Tucker at number 67. Josh Wiley at number 78. Now, Bruce Feldman's freak list is a list of 100 players throughout college football who are freaks. Physically gifted freaks. Coaches who have coached gifted athletes are wowed by these players. Tyler Scott ran a 4.2940. Ridiculous. Squats 600 pounds, benches 345, vertical jump of 40 and a half inches. By the way, he can also fly on the field, as evidenced by his 81-yard touchdown against Miami to open the season last year. Trey Tucker averages 17.33 yards per catch. He can fly too. Also has two kickoff returns for touchdowns in his career. Josh Wiley, 6'6", 250 playing tight end. Oh, by the way, he can also jump 35 and one-third inches. Oh, by the way, he can also run a 4.6540 and has clocked on a GPS running 20 miles an hour. That is the definition of a freak. So there you go. A lot of players, including Luke Fickle as a coach, on award watch list to start the season. You've got players on Bruce Feldman's freak list. This team, despite losing nine players to the NFL draft last year, is still immensely talented. Up next... Russ Hellman mentioned this yesterday as he filled in for me. I'm going to mention it again, touch on it today. Why Evan Prater should be the starting quarterback for this reason. I'll explain after a word from Coldwell Banker Heritage and Prime Lending. The Lockdown Cincinnati Bearcats podcast is supported in part by both of those companies. Debbie Weckstein Frank, a realtor with Coldwell Banker Heritage, and Steve Maloney, a lender with Prime Lending. If you're looking for a new home in the Cincinnati and Dayton area because you want to come to the area with the hottest team in college football, well, I've got the real estate team to help you do just that. Debbie specializes in both Dayton and Cincinnati areas and is a longtime Miami Valley resident who has helped hundreds of people all over the country find and close on their dream home. Steve is also a longtime Miami Valley resident specializing in purchases and refinances in over 40 states. Debbie and Steve are available when you need them most, even on evenings, even on weekends, heck, even during a Bearcats game. When you are making split-second decisions, let them help you get your offer to the top of the list. Take the guesswork out of the home buying process and hire a wide-open professional real estate team with a track record of success. You can call Debbie right now at 937-672-3942. That's 937-672-3942. Or... Visit TeamWeck.com, that's T-E-A-M-W-E-C-K.com for more information. Debbie and Steve will help you close on your dream home today. Go Bearcats! So Russ mentioned this yesterday. I'm going to touch on it today to close out the show. If the quarterback battle is as close as we hear, and right now it's a dead heat, as Luke Fickle has said it, as members of the media have said it, if it's that close, why wouldn't you go with the guy with the most potential? It's not like both quarterbacks are bad. It's not like Evan Prater's struggling. Why wouldn't you go with the guy who can elevate this offense? Seriously. Like, if you go with Ben Bryant, and there's reasons why the Bearcats would. He's the most experienced. He's been here before. He started a game. We're playing at Arkansas week one. We want our most experienced guy. If you have those schools of thought, fine. 
However, I can't help but think about if Ben Bryant is the starter week one, that that is an act of settling. This program has not settled in five years under Luke Fickle. Even when they were four and eight, they were not settling. They just weren't good. Once Luke Fickle got his players on the field, the instant change, the instant change of the product and their record, the Bearcats, attendance, recruiting, developing, engagement with the fan base changed. And if anybody thought after 2018, well, your 10-win season was a fluke, well, let's see what happens when teams have tape on you and, uh, yeah, they can um, exploit you. We'll see how good you really are. You know what they've done since 2018? Go 11-3, and go 9-1, and nearly beat Georgia in the Peach Bowl, and then make the college football playoff as the nation's only undefeated team in college football. So telling me that 2018 is a fluke and that this program is a fluke, sorry, wrong. And you know why this program has had the success they had? Because the Bearcats went with the guy in 2018 week one who was going to give them the best chance at winning the season opener at UCLA and winning 10 games that year and winning 40-plus games over four years. That's what they did. So why would you halt all the momentum that you have? Why would you stop the train while it's rolling? By starting Ben Bryant, just because he's the most experienced, just because we're playing Arkansas week one. What what is the rationale behind that? Realistically, Cincinnati is not winning that game. So what are you going to come out of that with? An 0-1 record and a quarterback who, yeah, is good, but he's got a ceiling. Why don't you? Okay. I don't care if Evan Prater goes out against Arkansas and throws three interceptions. I don't care if he is 9 of 20 for 140 yards and three interceptions and no touchdowns. And he's sacked four times. That's expected. If Ben Bryant does that, a guy who has started the full season's worth of college football, and by the way, wasn't that great because he only threw for 14 touchdowns, what are we saying? What are we saying? Yeah, we told you. Ben Bryant, eh, not that great. You can build on Evan Prater. More than you can build on Ben Bryant. I keep saying you can't make a wrong decision with the quarterback battle. Yes, you can. Because if ben, because ben Bryant is not the answer long term. I'm telling you that right now. He might be for Arkansas for the first half, maybe even the first quarter. This program has not settled in five years. You're trying to compete for a championship and reload this year. You start the settling option, experience guy, if you're rebuilding. Like, look around college football and look around the NFL and look at teams and programs with quarterback battles and questions of who they're going to start. The Houston Texans are starting Davis Mills because he actually has some experience. Like the Pittsburgh Steelers might start Mason Rudolph or Mitch Trubisky over Kenny Pickett. I say they should start Kenny Pickett. But teams who have quarterback battles and question marks, they're going to go with the most experienced guy. They're afraid to start a new and change because they may not have a good season. Well, the Bengals did that with Andy Dalton in 2011. They made the playoffs. They did it with Joe Burrow in 2020. Year two, they're in the Super Bowl. 
Evan Prater can be that guy for Cincinnati. He is ready for this for this job. That interview with Dan Horde cemented my opinion that Evan Prater is worthy of being the starting quarterback. Not just for his play, but for how he acts, what he says, his maturity, his leadership. He is a program starting quarterback. This program is not rebuilding. This program is reloading. It has too much momentum. That's why you stay aggressive and you don't settle. If Prater can start, which he can, he should. Because what's going to happen by the time you're in the second quarter of Fayetteville and you're down 17-3? to Don't throw Evan Prater into that situation, even though you should. That's not a good situation for you to get thrown into. Start him when you can right away and say, hey, you got us down 17-3. Okay, your first start. Here's how to make that not happen again. So Russ is right, and anybody who says, well, it's a dead heat, but Ben Bryant should be the starter. That's fine. That's a rational way of thinking. I'm a rational person. That's totally fine. But to say to me that Evan Prater shouldn't start because he's not experienced, I don't completely buy into that. On tomorrow's show, I'm going to talk about why the quarterback battle could, and I think it will. Play out like it did in 2018. Then on Friday, there's one area on this team. Heck, there's two players. Really, one position, one area, and one player that we're not talking about but could make a difference this season. And before you know it, next week, it's season preview week. Season preview five different ways. Offense, defense, Russ and James from all Bearcats are going to join me. Hoping to have Dan, Moe, and Jim from 700 WLW, the radio crew, on Chris Vanini from The Athletic, and then it is game week. I mean, it's game week in less than two weeks. We're rolling. We are rolling into college football season. Very excited. First time Lockdown Bearcats will be covering a season. Looking forward to seeing how that what that's like, how that grows the podcast, which as always is free and available everywhere you get your podcast and on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to our Lockdown Bearcats YouTube channel. We're rolling up to 413 subscribers and counting. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Frankie underscore Natty with two N's and an ATI. You can follow me on Instagram, AlexFrank9 underscore, or email me at Alex3Frank at gmail.com, all lowercase. And you can also follow the Lockdown Bearcats podcast on Twitter at LockdownCats. Get more on the Big 12 by making Lockdown Big 12 your second listen. Everyday host Josh Neighbors and the local experts at Lockdown take you across the conference in 30 minutes. Lockdown Big 12, your second listen. That's Lockdown Big 12. For the Lockdown Bearcats podcast, my name is Alex Frank. Have a great rest of your day. I will be back tomorrow talking about why the quarterback battle is going to play out, I think, or at least it could, but I do think it will, like 2018. Have a great rest of your day, and I'll be back tomorrow on a whole new episode of Lockdown Bearcats.